agenda is such that the first is the apologies for absence. Councillor De Vries has written to me saying you can't come, you won't be with us. Are there any others? Sorry, Chair, do you want to start the recording or Adrian? It is recording. Sorry, beg your pardon. So, do, do, we want, do we want to do a roll call or shall we, because we're not that number of us as compared to the council? Are we happy it, that... It, it's, it's probably worth just doing the roll, roll call, Chair, if, uh, if we may. Okay. Yeah, for the public. For the pub, just in, for the public, listening public. So uh, just indicate you're present when I call your name, please. Uh, Councillor Bagnall. Yes, present. Councillor Driscoll. Present. Councillor Foley. Present. Councillor Isham. No. Councillor Jones. No. Councillor Khan. Yeah, present. Councillor Luck. Present. And Councillor Oliver. Present. Thank you. Chris, I think yep. Councillor Isham has got a parish council meeting tonight. Brock's did. So I'll take apologies, shall I? Yeah, I would. He's chairing that, so he will be at that. Thank you very much, Jeff. And Councillor Jones, do we know about at all? No, the only thing I know there is that he's not available for a meeting tomorrow, so whether he's away, I'm not sure. Okay, thank you. Are there any declarations of interest? Apparently not. Now, you've, the minutes of the previous meeting have been circularised. Uh, are there any comments thereon? Otherwise, I will take silence as approval. And Mr. Gibson and I will sign these when we have a, a chance to do that. I, must I look forward to it. Thank you, Chair. Building up a store. <laughs> the next item is item three, internal audit progress report. And I'm delighted to see that Sheila is with us. Um, Sheila, would you like to comment? I, just before you start, I just mentioned that we are requested to note the Internal Audit Progress Report. So, Sheila. Right, uh, thank you, Chair. Yeah, this is the, um, the, the usual uh, Internal Audit Progress Report. This covers the period from the 16th of May um, up until the 31st of August. Um, I'm, I'm trusting that members have had a chance to, to, to read it. I think probably the, the most important things to, to say on on the report is that very little audit work was done um, up um, after uh, the end of May, uh, because um, from um, April, May onwards, my team then moved on to redeployment, um, helping out on the revenues and the benefits service. Um, we, I, I mentioned in, uh, in the report that we're anticipating audit work starting from the 1st of September, <clears throat> which we have now. Um, started doing work on, but I will be going to more detail on in that in the next item on the agenda. Um, other than that, I have nothing else really to comment on this report unless anybody's got any questions for me. And the notice on page 12, the level three and four recommendations, they have now been implemented. Yes. 
Has anybody got any questions or comments on to Sheila or any comments on the report itself? If not, I will. The recommendation said is that we are requested to note the internal audit for progress report and so from the 16th of May to the 31st of August 2020. People happy with that? Yes. We'll now move on to item four, which is also Sheila, um, yeah. which is your strategy and work program for 2021. And again, we are asked to approve the internal audit strategy and work program for 2021. Sheila, would you like to comment? Yes, thank you, Chair. This is um, the annual sort of audit strategy and work program. Um, it's being pre presented to, tonight later than it normally would be, I think, during, during the, the uh, auditing year. It's um, had significant revision, as I, I've mentioned in the report, to the initial draft programme that I put forward to members um, back in, in January because of the, the, obviously, the redeployment of my, myself and my team. We um, have reduced, as I say, in... Yeah, paragraph 2.3, we've reviewed, I've updated the number of audit days that we feel are actually available to do work between the 1st of September and the 31st of March, down from 300 down to 185. To um, achieve this, there, there are a lot of um, audits that appear on the, the audit programme, 45 in total, but we are looking at very much rationalising along long leans and, and agile auditing methods to, to reduce the actual work that we need to do. A lot of it is obviously to be able to provide um, yourself, members and the public and, and uh, senior management uh, assurance on the, that the controls um, that have been put in place um, uh, are, are working. Um, it's quite, as I say, quite a big programme, but we are anticipating very, very um, reduced amount of days per audit. I haven't actually given a, a, a sign what I consider to be um, days per audit on this, because I think some of these audits may only take a day or two days. We're going to look at using, as I say, methods um, along the lines of sending out questionnaires. We're also going to be reducing the number of risks that we're looking at. In particular, we're aiming at the, the more COVID-specific Risks or the and and any other sort of new and emerging risks that, that have come along. Um, I'm happy to take any any questions on it. I know it's quite quite a complicated bit of work, I think. But I'm going to say absolutely, not, yeah, we'd like to discuss it with anybody that wants to discuss it. I will. Thank you very much for that, Sheila. Obviously, it's going to be difficult doing the full strategy this year because we've already lost three months, four months, and uh, so we've got to look forward to try and ease our way around it. Is there any comments from anybody or any questions for Sheila? Uh, I have one, Chair, if you don't mind. Please do. Uh, yeah. Sheila, um, reading through your report, obviously I understand that we've missed quite a chunk already. Um, you were saying that you will be concentrated on COVID-19. Does that mean you're actually taking 
parts away that won't be done, or are you just giving them a skim over? Sheila? Uh, I'll tell you, what, what, what I've done in, in the whole risk assessments on this, I've, I um, sent out um, COVID-related control risk uh, self-assessments to all of senior managers to get them to get back to me and, and identify where in their services they, the emergency has had an impact on, on their services. <coughs> That's one of the main areas we've been looking at. There are other things that, that, that also we will be looking at. Um, we had some um, some audits last year that we were un unable to, to complete, so we'll be going back <coughs> to revisit them. And there was four audits that had uh, little or um, limited or assurance from us, so we were also going back to just do a follow up on those. For the bulk of the audits that I've identified as being, in particular, the medium risk ones, it, it really is almost just touching base with the services just to see how they've coped and how they are still continuing to cope during the emergency and with, and with all the things associated with it, like the, I mean, obviously most of the, the staff are uh, remotely working. So you won't actually be missing anything out. You'll just be asking questions and relying on um, the correct answer to come back. We'll be asking questions. We'll be examining the answers that come back. And then if we have further queries on it or we'd like evidence to back up some of those answers, that, that's okay. what we're aiming at. That's fine. That's what I want you to hear. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Khan had his hand up, Chair. Thank you, Chair. If I, if I can go next, if that's okay. Um, so, so thank you, Sheila. It's really helpful uh, looking at the plan. And I noted that you've dropped the days down. So uh, I'm not sure. Um, I think there's a clear rationale for that. But I worry about the link between this and the executive's risk assessment, the overall risk assessment uh, for uh, UDC. And I wanted to ask you a question about how this relates to what correlation is there between the risk assessment that the management team have been, uh, the executive team have been um, formulating and how does this compare to it? Second issue for me is that I understand that this is going to be your last meeting um, because you're, you're starting a new phase in your life, which is really exciting. And you've done a really good job and I'm sure that the chair will, 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 will find you the correct point in the agenda to, to talk about that. But given that you are moving on, who's going to drive this now with the same rigour um, in terms of holding everyone to account to make sure that the internal audit actions are identified take place? Um, I, I, um, I'll take, the, first of all, the, the risk um, um, point. The corporate risk register was one of the things that was taken into consideration when I, we did the the risk assessment for the audit plan. Um, uh, uh, the risk assessment within the audit plan also includes looking at, as I say, the corporate risk register, the service plans that have, have the, the service risks attached to them. Um, and as, as I said earlier, I asked um, all the senior managers to, to do their own self-assessment on some controls and risks. So... But also, as I say, one, one of the audits on the plan right, is actually looking at the COVID-19 project, and that's that's probably going to be one of the biggest bits of work that the team will need to do, because that will be giving, hopefully, an overall independent look at, at how that the project's been managed. And that, I mean, the, the, the terms of reference and the scope of, of things at the moment are still to be looked at. We've only just this week started looking at that. 
if, if that answers the, the um, your question on um, the risk. Um, as far as who's going to drive it when I'm gone, well, hopefully someone. <laughs> um, my my intention is to get everything to a point where my, my team, um, their experienced auditors, uh, I think they will be able to carry a lot of this themselves. Um, obviously, I may have to hand over to, to Mr. Webb to uh, confirm exactly what may or may not be happening once I leave. I will be working as hard as I can to make sure that I leave internal audit in, in good hands. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, that, that goes without saying, because right? obviously the, 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 the passion and the, the work that you've done over the years on this is, is very clearly there for everyone to see. But okay. So I think because we've got obviously COVID, we've got this audit plan that's reduced days. I think what I'm highlighting to colleagues on the committee that this now becomes a risk if we don't have the right leadership uh, on driving forward internal audits. That's something that we as a committee will need to keep an eye on because the internal audit plan is a quality improvement plan. And it's something that I think we all should uh, continue to scrutinize. I'm particularly keen to understand and know who will be driving it in your absence, but obviously that's a uh, discussion for another day. Well, I don't think it's, I think, I think Mr. Webb, could you perhaps update us or is he, is he still in touch or is he? Yeah, I, Chair, I'll give you the latest position. So. Sheila and the team up until the end of June reported to Simon Pugh, as did Tom, who's on the agenda later. Um, when Simon retired, uh, Sheila, for her sins, ended up reporting back to me for a time, as she had done in the past. Um, we, as a management team, are currently looking at the options. Uh, Sheila handed her notice in, I think, about a week and a half ago. Um, so we are now looking at the options for future service delivery of the internal audit function. And I think it's fair to say that one of the areas we're particularly looking at is the option around partnership working. There are a couple of um, established partnerships in Essex and discussions are around at the moment for a third. So we'll, we'll be exploring that in the coming month. Thank you. I find that a bit worrying that uh, what we're actually saying is that uh, when Sheila goes, which what's the date, Sheila, you're going? Uh, my my actual last day of service is the 6th of November. Oh, so we, you, we've got you until the 6th of November. Yeah. So got a bit of time. I thought you might be disappearing on, on the end of September. No, not not that lucky. No, definitely the um, uh, the sixth <laughs> the sixth of November. But I have some leave to take before that. And uh, and I should say, chair, that um, we have already had some discussions with an internal audit manager from within Essex who may be able to provide the managerial support that the staff would need in the event that we haven't got something in place immediately for when Sheila leaves. Okay. Oh. If one looks at our, our staffing regulations, we have one full-time manager, one full-time auditor, and one part auditor. So if we take out the, inter, the inter, internal audit manager, that does leave a, a very big hole as, as to the work that can be done. So let's just hope that we can sort this out somewhat quickly. Okay. Is that you... Is that does answer your question, Councillor Khan? Well, Chair, may, may, I, um, may I just sort of suggest that um, uh, Adrian, obviously a lot more responsibility now in terms of this news, but um, 
perhaps Adrian could keep us up to date as far as the committee is concerned on what the process is in terms of an arrangement uh, for Sheila's departure because clearly it's going to be a leading time uh, for handover and I think that's the crucial part that I'm I'm concerned about. We get an effective uh, handover process in place. Fine, you know, that, I totally understand that and agree with you. Um, Adrian, you will no doubt be able to keep us up to date we do have another meeting quite soon before Sheila goes. Yes, yes, we do. We do, Chair. Certainly you'll get an update at that meeting about where we've got to. Thank you. Thank you. Move on to the next item, which is a new um, one. Sorry, is there anybody else? Yes, Chair, you've got uh, Councillor Bagnall and Councillor Luck got their hands up. Okay, Councillor Bagnall. Thank, Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Jeff. Um, uh, just a simple question. I'm not quite sure who is going to react to that. Maybe Adrian, uh, maybe someone else. Um, it's I just have interest. Who audits the auditor? Audit, audit says. Yeah. How, how do we check? So obviously we we've, we've got experience and we do various bits and pieces. So which which external body? comes in and checks that everything we've done is is audited, audited correctly and to a standard, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's just auditing the auditor. I don't think anybody comes in, but uh, Adrian, would you like to comment on that? <laughs> Probably uh, not. Uh, I think, um, I think, I think Sheila, Sheila was about to. Oh, Sheila might like to comment on it. Sheila, would you like to comment? Or is she, is she gone? I think Sheila's frozen. She's either frozen or she's pretending to freeze. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is our external auditors as part of the audit opinion at the end of the year. They rely on the uh, internal audit work to a degree and they will review some of that and work with Sheila. So it's, it is our external auditors who do the accounts. Would, would it be um, spot checks then to make sure certain areas are covered? Uh, it, it has changed slightly over the years. It used to be they relied very heavily. <coughs> excuse me relied very heavily on internal audit to undertake the work. Um, they now, yes, it's, it's more risk-based approach now to it. Okay, thanks. I think I've shocked Sheila because she's yep. gone. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure she will rejoin us in a second. <laughs> and then, then there was Councillor Luck. I think Councillor Khan's made some good points. Thank you very much for that. Um, Adrian, I th would the external auditors be aware of Sheila's departure and what do they need to do before she leaves, if anything? Uh, the external auditors, I honestly don't know if they're aware. Um, they don't need to do anything before she leaves because they have completed their work for this year um, on the audit. So there is nothing more that, that Sheila would add to that, that position. Um, and we'll be in a, obviously have a replacement in place well in advance of next year. Thank you. And another question for you then. Um, I see that on the list there is um, EU exit, subject to being an agreement or no agreement. Can you fill us in as we've got a port uh, of entry down the road as to what you know and what is happening and what's relevant to our committee, um, if anything? Uh, I'm glad you added the if anything at the end because uh, my, <laughs> my current knowledge on all of this is, as, as most people's is, is limited. So what we can do is we can, uh, I would suggest we bring something back to the committee for the uh, next meeting, uh, Richard. 
Chair, just before we do, I think the previous item, the committee was requested to approve. Uh, I'm not sure that we actually yeah, well, sorry. did approve it. Okay, my fault. Are we all happy with Sheila's report and can we approve it? Thumbs up, please. Right, I think I'll take that as approval. Thank you. We'll now move on to item five, which is, as I say, a new report, which will be a new report in future, information tech, uh, government's annual report. And the author is Tom Faulkner, who I think is here somewhere. I saw him a moment ago. Yes, Chair, I'm here. And welcome. And if we are to note the report, but as this is something new for this committee, Perhaps, Tom, you would like to take us through it and draw our attention to what you think is important. Yes, surely, Chair. Uh, and good evening, Committee. Thank you for the opportunity for to speak to you this evening. Uh, basically, the, this report is the first, as you're probably aware, report of information governance, which would be my intention to present to uh, both CMT and an executive summary each year to the GAP Committee. Uh, basically, we, we have considered such things as how we communicate within uh, the Council, uh, how we've uh, commenced an information governance group, and how we've uh, had an unfortunate uh, data breach. And more specifically, the main theme is the freedom of information responses, which I think we, we can do better. Uh, the report contains 12 recommendations, which all have been presented to, to CMT and met with their approval. Uh, we are looking now at working through the main themes and the work that's necessary to implement those changes. Uh, we, one of the factors was, I, I believe we can improve our responses to freedom of information through additional training to liaison officers within specific service areas. Uh, I've had 12 nominations so far. I'm preparing the, the training for that group, and I'm hopeful to present that to 
uh, those liaison officers in the near future. However, uh, with the lockdown, it's obviously a bit testing as to how we're going to, to deliver that. It may be, as, as we're doing now, on Teams uh, or on Zoom. So basically, those 12 recommendations were put forward. Hopefully, you've had sight of that now. Uh, and as I say, all, all have been approved, and I'm working through those recommendations at this present time. Fine. This is, is, is there any comments on uh, comments or questions for Tom on his report, which is obviously quite a bit of new work for us and new work for him as well? Any comments? Chair Councillor Khan. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, so thank you for that uh, uh, sort of brief introduction, Paul. So I have I have read it. I've, um, not sure I fully understand it in the sense of GDPR, Freedom of Information, Information Commissioner's Office. And when I see something around the Information Commissioner's Office, I do get worried because actually we could be in for huge fines as a council or authority or an organisation if we fail to meet uh, the um, requirements of the Information Commissioner in terms of sharing data. So my question really is, is I'm slightly concerned. So. Who actually is responsible in UDC for gathering freedom of information requests and then managing the process to ensure that we do deal with them on time? Because it does seem to me there's been some slippage here. And um, I think that's not an issue just for the Information Commissioner's Office, but it's an issue, it's an issue for us in terms of our overall governance. Um, to me, it reflects poor governance if we are not re um, responding to freedom of information requests on time. Uh, so tell me about how the process is managed within UDC, because I'm curious to understand, because um, I'm not, not clear that I see enough of that in the paper. Thank you, Councillor Khan. Uh, since July, uh, formally the, the, the recording of freedom of information requests used to be done by the central team, the executive support team. Since July uh, last year, I agreed for to take that on because it forms part of information governance and I'm assisted in that with a colleague from legal, uh, Ruth Cooks. So between the two of us, we record all freedom of information requests and indeed environmental information requests that come through. Uh, we have a register and we monitor progress from start to finish. Uh, my previous boss, Simon, was very keen uh, not to become involved in the ownership of those. We were recording them, we were sending them out to the service areas, but ultimately it's the service areas concerned to provide the response. Uh, and we do that. We monitor those, we record the issues. Uh, one, of the, one of the main factors is, I'm quite sure you understand that they're, they're very time-consuming. Mm. And when you have officers that are busy with a number of other issues within the council, that can detract from their principal role. Uh, however, the formation and the, the selection of liaison officers within these service areas hopefully will contribute towards improving our, our responses because we will have a focal point in which to go to. So, so that's very... Sorry, Chair, if I may. If I may continue. Thank you, Chair. So that's very helpful. Um, but what I'm missing there is that, and I get the point of you sending them off to the service heads, and it's the responsibility of the service 
head to provide a response. Yes. But who's doing the fetching and carrying and holding the service head to account to ensure that they're meeting the deadline? Because we should, if that's if the process was working well and it was well oiled and it was slick, um, we ideally we would not have a delay because this then goes down to reputation. If we're not responding to uh, FOI requests on time, that is a, a huge damning indictment of our internal governance processes. So who's, who's doing the fetching and carrying? That's all I need to know. I mean, is the system robust enough? Does it work? Well, sorry. Any comments? I think if I can, Chair, that's a, uh, I'll answer that because it's a bit unfair on, on Tom to try and answer that one. Um, I think clearly the report you've got in front of you um, sets out that the system that was in place was not working. Um, the, the percentage of FOIs responded to in time is not satisfactory enough. And that is why there's a number of recommendations and the key one which will help us to manage the response from the departments are these liaison officer roles. So I think you've got to give this a little bit of time. You, you know, we've brought it to you. It clearly says we haven't done as well as we should have done. Um, we've made some recommendations and implemented some changes to try and improve that and we'll be monitoring that at a corporate level um, to make sure that th this is improving because, as you say, we're, we're not happy with the performance the same as I'm sure you aren't. The other thing to say is, if I may, we also uh, we get um, regular um, data broken down to service level so we, well, we can see where there are any, um, uh, any issues with responses and that, that helps uh, the relevant member of CMT to, to target those service areas to make improvements. I, mean, I, I guess, again, that's very helpful, Tom, and your, your response is very helpful, so thank you, but I didn't say thank you. But I guess the many um, freedom of information requests, while they're legitimate, sometimes can be malicious. And so, you know, what, what, how many of our freedom of information requests are actually not in public interest? Um, it'll be interesting to know that. Well, one of the things that we are starting to do is we will be re reporting on our statistics, and that will include the number of malicious or vexatious requests that come through. Right. Uh, you asked about improvements that we're trying to make to improve the situation. One of the things that we've done is... The, the register that Ruth and I complete is uh, quite detailed. Obviously, the service level managers never had sight of that in the past. What we've managed to do is we've, we have a summary of that uh, or, or a restricted list of that register so that service managers themselves can see the number of outstanding requests for their service area. So that in itself, if they're checking that regularly, they can see themselves what needs to be done in those that are outstanding. And hopefully that will help prompt the responses. But the number of vexatious and, and uh, malicious requests are very few at this moment in time. Hence the reason why it's, it's very important to give additional training to those liaison officers to recognise when it is actually vexatious. If I see it coming through and I consider it vexatious, then I will discuss it with the service area to which it's going to. That's very helpful. Thank you. Right. Is there anybody else who would like to comment? If not, Tom, I think we'd like to thank I think you. We, sorry, I think we've got Councillor Foley, then oh. Councillor Bagnall, and then Councillor Driscoll. Right. <laughs> Councillor Foley. I'd be glad to know and invite my 
my query's just been answered, so I don't need to. I'm, I'm fine with um, uh, Adrian's response, uh, particularly there, that was helpful. Thank you. Councillor Bagnall. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Tom, can I just ask, did, I, did you say 12 recommendations? Uh, yes, I believe it was 12 recommendations. I couldn't see 12 recommendations in the report. Some of them have already been implemented. Uh, perhaps that's why they weren't. There was a gap between the presentation of the report to CMT and the, uh, the executive summary that was compiled for yourselves. Uh, some, of the, the, some of the recommendations may have been missed out because we've already completed them. One of which was uh, putting the, the policies and procedures for GDPR back online. Uh, and that has been completed. Um, well, on, on that basis, I, I would suggest, given that the report comes to us, that we get sight of all 12, because if, if you've done most of them, you'd want to put forward the fact that you've done them as well. So is there any way that we, as a, a committee, can see those 12 recommendations, regardless of whether they've been implemented or not? As far as I'm concerned, yes, I can, I can circulate that, and I'll circulate that. Yeah, um, it would be helpful just to see what has been done. The protocols. If, yep. you, if, um, you could, if you could circulate that, Tom, that would be very helpful. Yep, surely can. Yeah. Thanks very much. And then there's Councillor Driscoll. Yeah, my, mine's um, fairly simple, really. Looking at the, uh, the report, we've got nearly 70% within time, 10% over. But have we looked into why the 20% with no response. <clears throat> Why there was no response is a, um, a thread running through that 20% that could identify it, or is it just nobody's looked? I don't think there's any main theme there. I just think that um, basically we, we can do better. Um, officers, as I'm sure you appreciate, are busy doing their principal task. The some service areas are very busy, most service areas are very busy, and when they get additional freedom of information requests coming through, it can be quite time-consuming, and sometimes these slip. There are no general themes. However, I will look more in detail once we produce the statistics for September quarter, and we'll see if there's any trends, and we'll hasten those responses from the service areas that perhaps are letting these slip. So I can't say there's a, there's a common theme other than we need to improve. Okay, thank you, Tom. Thank I, you, Chair. I, I think if I can just add, add to what Tom said there about the September quarter, just a bit of a, a caveat to that. Uh, I, I think Tom will confirm. As part of the FOI process since the start of the pandemic, we have warned people that it may take longer than normal to respond so, um, it, you know, it is how it is. We get, an, we get an awful lot of FOIs in certain areas. So we get a lot in business rates, for example. Mm. And business rates, our priority for the whole of April, May and most of June was paying out the grants rather than making sure we do everything else. So there, I, I am absolutely positive there will still be unanswered FOIs in the schedule, but we have to be realistic and realise it. And we did warn the public, so it's not as if they weren't aware that that was happening. Um, we also get an awful lot of requests 
from companies, and we have to respond to them in the same way. So they're, they're fishing for what, you know, what software package we use for this, what software package we use for that, for example, within IT. We get an awful lot of that. I but, would say that 90% of all FOIs that come through the services that I'm responsible for are exactly that. Yeah. I think that makes up the significant majority of the information requests we receive. So, so we continue to look at ways we can deal with that easier so that we can point people in the direction rather than having to respond to every single one. But um, it was just really the warning that the, the, the September quarter, that since the pandemic, our priorities certainly in some of the revenue areas that I'm responsible for have not been in responding to FOIs. It has been in making sure that our businesses survive. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Roger. Is there any other... If I can't see any other hands up, but if not, as I say, to say thank you to Tom for that report. We look forward to receiving further information in due course. And it was a, a report to note, and that, that we do. Then we can go to item six. This is a report on the COVID-19 19 performance indicator report number three and the again the recommendation is to note the performance of the services during the pandemic as attached in appendix one uh, the report author is oliver knight who i think is here somewhere yes indeed chair um good to see you and i hope you're well yes and um can you lead us through your report yes of course um so this is the third report that we brought to this committee presenting outturns for all COVID-19 performance indicators which are being monitored in the authority. Um, the data time frame for the partic this particular report is Monday the 6th of July to Sunday the 9th of August. Um, I, I, I know there's, there's quite a lot of information contained within the appendix, so just to provide really a broad overview. Um, very much similar to the last time frame, it's, it's still clear that um, most services are performing well despite pressures imposed on service delivery um, and you know data outturns do highlight and support that ongoing it's not possible yet to directly compare obviously quarter two 2019-20 uh, to quarter two 2021 um, but thus far from some contextual analysis contained within report within the report it's it's clear that performance is very much similar and in some cases it is low for, lower than for example with regards to the business rates collection or the council tax collection which we are aware of but broadly speaking it seems that um, services are performing well um, I, I will I will just draw your attention with to within the recovering report point 18 I did I have highlighted um, five particular areas where performance has improved in uh, particularly in July in comparison to quarter one um, we have seen improvements in the collection of business rates in July in comparison to April to June um, and also with the same for local council tax support, um, council tax, sundry debtor income and also rent. Um, indeed as well it's, it's quite clear from looking at the car park in indicators that there's very much, there's, there's still a, a significant decrease on last year but the level of decrease is less than it was earlier in the pandemic. So I'm, I'm more than happy to take any questions from um, any members on, on the report. I, I think it's worth saying as well that um, I am currently working through 
evaluating the continued effectiveness of all these indicators. I'm, I'm aware that some of them might not be as relevant now as they would have been in March, April time. Um, and as well, that it might be the case that we look to introduce some new ones uh, which focus more upon the recovery or service recovery. So I'm, I'm more than happy to take questions from anyone. Well, anybody wish to just raise a point with Mr. Knight? And is there any hands up anywhere? I can't see. Uh, Councillor Foley has hand up, and Councillor Khan. Right. Councillor yeah. Foley. Foley, I don't know if you'll be able to. Can you hear me? Yes, uh, I can. Yes. Regarding uh, uh, these pin pin display cells, yes. how, do you know how how that uh, compares with other authorities? Is there a, um, a benchmark? That we I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure myself, but I'm sure that is data that we could find, especially within the North Essex Parking Partnership as well, because the data that we uh, get is sent through from NEPP, and I think they send it at, out at a district level. So that's certainly something I can look into and bring back, if that would be of interest. Particularly as we are um, looks as if we're going to be uh, still being affected now. Yeah. Significantly. Significant effect, uh, significantly effect. It would be uh, interesting to uh, know how um, other authorities are maybe marketing, you know, the. the yeah. The well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Was it Councillor Khan? Yeah, thank you, Chair. Sorry about this. I seem to be asking too many questions. Apologise. Um, I, I think it's, thank you, uh, Oliver. That's a really good report, and I understand the complexities of trying to do comparisons, we're not in normal times, are we? So uh, I, I think you know, we, we are where we are. I think it's very wise for you to say that we should start to look at targets for recovery. And I'd be interested to understand at some point what those will be. And perhaps given our last conversation about information governance, we could incorporate target around FOIs, um, whether it's the number that uh, we receive or the numbers that we respond to. I think that might be uh, a good thing for us from a governance perspective. But um, the other thing that I wanted to raise, which does trouble me, um, not necessarily the performance of UDC at the moment, is um, the level of data. So colleagues may be interested to know that I have you particular councillors have looked at uh, the LGA website and LG Inform, which is the management information and dashboard hub. I find that particularly interesting. And when I look at the value for money indicators, and the performance indicators there, they actually bear no correlation to uh, what actually we discuss at our meeting, particularly in the past. So I wonder whether there was a lag in terms of timing of how that information is gathered and what comparisons you do. So perhaps another line of inquiry for us so that we've got the right management information data, we are using the right data to, to provide support and challenge. Um, perhaps you could look into that for us as well. Yeah, of course. I think um, one thing to mention there there has there is definitely a lag between the uh, the collection of data from the local to the nationwide with those sorts of portals. There is um, Essex County Council are now running a I can't think of the exact uh, term, but it's on the they're running their own open data platform. And part of a countywide group that I'm in, we're being encouraged to now start uploading our service data. So that's going to be on a countywide level. There should be a lot more information available to us as a performance team on a more current basis as well that we can use and embed. So hopefully over the next six months or so, um, as we're coming out of the pandemic, we should, I should be able to embed more 
um, analysis into that as well. Fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. Right, else? Adrian, I've taken everybody now, have I? Okay. Uh, sorry, are we at AOB yet? Sorry, are we at any other business? I'd like to raise something that's possible. Yeah, just about to get there. Okay, sorry. I'll, I'll wait for you to tell me. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So, thank you very much, <clears throat> Ollie, and that's uh, very helpful. And if you can take up, pick up those points that were raised by Councillor Khan, that would be very helpful. Um, and as I say, this it is our recommendation is to note this report. So I presume it will be noted. Right. We don't normally have AOB. And it's not, not on the agenda, but uh, Councillor Khan, I will take your question. Uh, thank, thank you, Chair. It was really helpful. Uh, I think it, it is uh, um, um, really important. So I, I thought tonight we were looking at the uh, annual accounts, but I, I got that wrong. That's going to be in October, as I understand. Um, and what the intent, uh, people are not quite ready, and it was going to be a full agenda and... Um, we're in. We're still in the time limits given by the government. Sure. Okay. And we should. Yeah. We should be. They will be here at the next meeting. Oh, so that's really helpful. So it's, it's, it links into that. I'm concerned. I understand that we have some obviously contingent liabilities and liabilities. And what's come to uh, my, well, my understanding, I have some information that there seems to be a dispute around a two hundred and forty thousand pound loan or grant that was given to. I believe it's something to do with Debton and the Village Hall um, and whether the MOD or the Army, forgive me, I'm not quite sure I'm being very vague uh, on the funder, but UDC, as I understand, uh, passed the money out to this organisation. I think it's about £240,000 and it's going to appear as a liability in our accounts. Um, my understanding is that the Army or the MOD are asking for that money back, but UDC have already paid it out when really they should have paid it out in increments. So in advance of the accounts and the meeting that we have next time to look at the accounts, would it be possible for Adrian to provide this committee with a full report of this particular issue, how it occurred, what went wrong, if anything did go wrong, and what lessons have been learned, and what actually the liability is, and are we safe really? I will ask Adrian to comment on this, but I think he'll probably tell you that the answer is yes, he will give you a report at the next meeting because it will be part of the accounts. You, you've, you've stole my thunder, Chair. So, I, I, yes, we will bring something uh, setting out probably in more detail than the accounts do uh, what Councillor Khan is referring to. And that will provide comprehensive information and background for this committee to consider. Yes. I'm particularly keen to understand lessons learned and what the current risk is for us in particular uh, to our, our finances. Fine, thank you. And thank you. Uh, there, is, there is nothing more on our agenda. Um, Sorry, Chair. Sorry, Chair. I did have, I've got my <coughs> hand up. But, um, on Councillor Khan's point, oh, how much notice will we get of that um, update from Mr Webb? Mr. Webb, would you like to? Uh, uh, I would. It's not. It wouldn't come from me, but I would hope it would come out as part of the pack, so okay. ten days in advance. 
Yeah, no, that would be fine. Thank you. Okay. I will now draw the meeting to a close. Thank you all for your attendance. Thank you particularly to our two officers who reported, or three officers reported. And the final thing I'd like to say is, I think um, having been worked with Sheila for the last five, four and a half years, five years, I would like us to all wish her well on her retirement, although I know she's not now going until the beginning of November. Can we, can we note that, Mr. Gibson, or that um, we would wish her well? Yeah, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. We'll do that. Despite the fact you're going to Scotland. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll take my hand down there. What's wrong with going to Scotland? You've gone back to Paris 10. Uh, <laughs> no, I, wouldn't, 